0: Welcome to Midlife Mastery. This is Brock Edwards, your host, and this is the show where we're looking for ideas, information, inspiration on how to live an amazing second half of life. So really looking at 50s, 60s, and beyond. And I don't know if you caught last episode or not, but we had Martin Boljek, and he talked about fitness transformation after 50. Now, it's only been out a couple weeks, but it's already looking to be heading to be one of the most popular episodes. And one of the things I really appreciate about his approach is it's measured, realistic, and focused on health first and fitness second. So he discusses his own battle with cancer and bouncing back to win a body transformation contest. He talks about the importance of having a clear vision on who you want to be when you're thinking about your health and fitness and why focusing on daily action is more important than focusing on weight loss. He talks about the compound effect of commitment, consistency, and common sense. When we bring those three together, we see amazing results. And he talks about where men tend to maybe get in their own way when starting a new fitness program. So this episode is not about quick fix. It's not about crash diet. There's no workout insanity or craziness. The focus is really on sustainable daily action. And as Martin says, that routine is not sexy, but routine will make you sexy. And that tells you a little bit about his approach and his focus on long-term results. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I highly encourage you. It's a great episode. Now, today's episode We have Teresa DeWitt on, and she has a huge vision. She wants to make a difference in one million marriages. That's big. Now, like many visions, it started out much smaller. She just wanted to write down some marriage advice to pass on to her 20-something kids. And that sort of grew and evolved into a best-selling book, an online course, relationship coaching. And so Teresa shares some of her insights and strategies to improve midlife marriages. And of course, as always, I really appreciate her simple and practical approach. So really some of the things we talk about are being intentional, creating joy, and really understanding your partner's needs. Now all those, I mean intuitively those make sense, but so often by the time we get to midlife we're not focused on those things anymore. And so taking just a few minutes to focus on those things can make a huge difference. And she also discussed where she sees people getting their own way when it comes to their relationship. So Our relationships are a key part of midlife, and like midlife, they're often in transition. And so Teresa shares some simple but important ways to really help create joyful marriages. So enough of an introduction. Let's get started. So today's guest is Teresa DeWitt from the website Joyfully Married and also author of the book More Joy, Less Conflict. Actually, did I get it backwards? It's less conflict, more joy. I've already messed it up, but you get the idea. So Teresa, tell us a little bit just about yourself. How do you introduce yourself to other people?
1: Well, first of all, I am a mama. We have five children. Three are mine, two are his. We're a blended family. I've been married a total of 30 years. The first 16 was my practice round, and now I'm 14 into this one. I, I am an international flight attendant. I am a person that's involved in a lot of things. Nobody's put me into out to pasture anytime soon. I'm I'm a cyclist, I'm a flute and piccolo player in a wind symphony. I love to do triathlon in the summertime. I I try to stay active. I'm constantly listening to growth and you know, personal development. I am not done. I am st- and now now here I am a best-selling author and completely changing the direction the direction the course of my life at 58 and almost 59 years old. That's some crazy things to think about, right?
0: I, I love the the mix that is such a fantastic mix i yeah you know, I always enjoy talking to people with a lot of interests and a lot of very different interests that that most people don't have or don't do so that's really cool and before we started recording you had mentioned that you are wanting to make a difference in a million marriages so like how did you get down this path
1: well it started with I was asked a question how can I make a difference? in people's lives? And that's a pretty general question. And honestly, I started praying about it. Like, how can I make a difference? Who can I make a difference for? Where can I make a difference? What can I do to make a difference? And the answer was, write something for your kids that will help them have better marriages. All my kids, all five of our kids are in their 20s, 21 to 29. They're all in strong relationships with other people and none of them are married. So even though I'm a grandma, I do have one little grandson he's two. But my idea is how do I make a difference in my children's lives? And now that spurred to me writing a little tiny booklet that I stapled together and I look here I wrote the book. And then I went and I expanded the book. And, and I expanded it not only for younger people, but for people like me, people that have been in a marriage, people whose marriage needs maybe a tune-up, they need a refresher, they need to bring in some more life and fun and excitement into their marriage. So I, my book then basically is 14 different strategies or principles that a person can easily apply. They can learn one today, spend 15 minutes li- listening to or or reading the information. I have also, I have an online course that is accompaniment to the book. So they can do that. Then they can do some simple exercises or think through some simple things, maybe 30 minutes a day. So that what they can learn today, they can begin applying tonight and have a better marriage beginning tomorrow.
0: Well, that sounds pretty good. So 14, how, how did you come up with 14?
1: It just ended up working out like that. And so I'm like, okay. well, I got about 14 things. So actually it was 15 and we made it, made it fit into 14 because then it's like <laughs> a two-week gig. You know, really just invest a little extra time for two weeks into your marriage. And at the end of that couple of weeks, you're gonna have a completely more inspired, better, more fun, more connected, more relationally, more loving. All those, all those good things in your marriage, they will increase by going through the process I have both in my book and my online course.
0: So, I mean, that sounds pretty good. And, but let me ask, you said you started writing this like just as a message for your kids and then it kind of evolved from there and became a book, became a course and you you've also mentioned just that you're attracting an older demographic maybe than you originally thought when you started, like obviously it was aimed at your kids in their early twenties. And yet you're talking to people who are, well, you know, our age, midlife fifties ish. And so what do you attribute that to? What, what, what is it about those that in our stage of life that are looking around going, Hey, I want to know more about a great marriage.
1: I think that we tend to be searchers. We have more time. We're trying to figure out at, at, as an age group, you know, we can either be sitting in front of the TV or we can becoming be, be, be better. Personal development is huge. And I think what I'm doing is almost like personal development for your marriage, a little niche personal development, right? Yeah. And And the older we get, we want to gain in wisdom. We want to be able to give back, give more, Be a fuller human being. And we finally, at this point in our lives, have the time to do that. When our kids are young and we're chasing, you know, baseball games and doctor's appointments and all the things that you do as a parent, cooking dinners and running kids around, you just don't have time to stop and think. And so I believe that the older, a little bit older demographic is being attracted to my work because they actually have time to stop and think about that. They realize that you have to invest in your relationship in order to make it beautiful. I think when we're young, we're a little more naive. We think, "Oh yeah, I love him. He loves me. We're going to have a happy family. (laughs) But I don't think that that's really how it works. I think a lot of people also, in their younger years, one person will work while the other one watches the kids and they'll flip schedules and then they completely grow apart the kids all leave and they go, gosh, what what happened to our marriage? Oh, well, I don't want to get a divorce. What can I do? So that's where I come in. I, I come in as a marriage tune-up, a refresher, something to bring in some new ideas, some positive energy to, that you can bring into your marriage and have a better relationship. And it's not just marriages. It can be relationships with your kids. It can be relationships with, with your coworkers. I talk a lot about being intentional in our interactions with other human beings being very intentional brendan Burchard, you heard it you've heard of him right
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: brendan Burchard, right so he was teaching on going through a doorway and the, before you go through a doorway to have an interaction with the person on the other side you want to stop for just a moment and for me i pray and and i'll just stop and i'll pray and i'll ask myself who do i need to be on the other side of that door do I need to be positive and exciting? Do I need to be serious and all business? What does, that, what does that relationship on the other side of that doorway or whatever that new encounter is, what does that person need from me? And I try to morph myself into that, that individual so that I can be the best version myself in that new relationship, in that next encounter.
0: All right, so yeah, so I definitely hear the intentionality behind it. Just pausing and thinking, you know, how do I need to show up in this moment? How how, how do I need to how how do I need to be? And and so I like that. I haven't haven't heard it put that way before with kind of walking through through the doorway there. And it, it makes sense that, you know, those kind of in midlife, you know, yeah, so you've kind of got kids moving out of the house, becoming empty nesters, whatever, and suddenly where your days and minutes may have been filled with soccer games and dinner and homework and all of that, you do suddenly have time staring at the other person going, who are you? Who am I? You know, do we still like each other? You know, it is a time where suddenly you have time for, well, each other and the relationship and all that. So anyway, I just kind of reflecting on what you're saying, and that makes a lot of sense why there'd be particular interest in in kind of this middle of life. And so 14 strategies, don't expect you to name them all right here but kind of what are some of the, some of the standout strategies that you you recommend to people?
1: It's it's basically talking about mindset, envisioning your relationship lasting the long the long term. For instance, you want to imagine you yourself kissing your partner's lips that are old and wrinkly, soft skin, holding their hands that might be have loose skin, Purple veins, those kind of things. Imagining being in love for a long time—that's that's the number one thing. Because if you can envision it, just like 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 say a triathlon, I did a half Ironman, and I had to be able to imagine myself crossing the finish line be- while I was training. Because I'll never get to the finish line if I think, oh, I'll never be able to do that. And that's another reason for the book. My kids are all product of divorce, so. So they, all they've known is broken from their parents is a broken relationship, but I don't want them to have to go through that <laughs> divorce sucks. <laughs> so I, my idea is to give people the strategies that, that they need the, so that they can stay married for a long time. A few other things that I talk about, we talked about intentionality. I think it's very important that we find joy, that we find joy ourselves and I really go through into how you get joy in your life. How do you get joy? Because then you can share that joy with your partner.
0: Let's let's stop right there because well, joy is awesome. I mean, no no one says I don't want more joy in my life. No matter how much joy they have, and so but it can also, at least from my experience, be be fleeting. It's like one of those things. Chasing joy doesn't work really well. So how do we create some more joy, especially if? things aren't going well, you know, we're not happy with a marriage or, you know, we're we're facing some interpersonal challenges. How do we start finding that joy?
1: Well, let me, may I tell you a little story from my own marriage? Please. My husband and I, five, six years ago, we were living in a little tiny house. It was a 1910 cottage right downtown in North Idaho, where I live. And we were going to be building a house on the same property. But while we were living there, we were really smashed in this little tiny 850-square-foot house. It had a big glass door, big glass window on the front door. My husband would go to work early. He was a plumber. He is a plumber. He would go to work early. He was out the door by 6 a.m. at work at 7, and he's usually home by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Me, on the other hand, on the days after my flight attendant job, I would come home, and I have several home-based businesses, and I would be working in our living room from home on my businesses. One of them is an accessory business that I'm now closing out. In the process of closing or in the process of doing the accessory business, I'm a constantly moving moving product. So I bring it in, I have to price each package, put it back away. And it was it was just always this round robin of product coming in and out of the door. And it was always a big mess in the living room because I would have all the product, the box would come in, I'd be pricing for a few days and it would just make like the entire living room was full now i'll try to shorten up the story a little bit but he would come home after work and it always kind of irritate him when the entire you couldn't even hardly walk through the living room especially when i was pricing scarves and things i'd get like 12 dozen box or 12 boxes that have like a 10 dozen in each box like huge number of product so the mess would kind of make him irritated. So here I am, he, he, I know he's about ready to come home. I'm rushing around trying to like clear the floor, make some room for him to come in after work, after working a hard day. Sometimes he would get there a little early and I'd be still scrambling around trying to clean up the mess. Then I, I, I'm thinking, well, I'm making him happy because I'm cleaning up the mess. But what I skipped is being intentional with him coming through that doorway, with being intentional with my relationship. So I started doing this silly thing and because this is an audio thing, you can't see, but I would just look at him with a big 10 for 10 seconds with a huge Cheshire cat grin where you can see my gums, my teeth, my even my mouth, and my lips, everything in my tongue, big, huge smile for 10 seconds. So I did that the first day when he came home. And this is, again, based on that Brendan Bouchard teaching of the doorway and being intentional. So I wanted to set the intention for having a better evening together. And I did that for the first day. And he, okay, and came in and I'm, there's still a mess. Second day I did it. He's like a little smile. I cracked the smile. Like, okay, this is a little bit different. Third day I do it. He comes home and he's like, what's up with the smile? Right? (laughs) And. And I told him that I was trying to be intentional and said, have a good evening together. And then he started doing it too. He would come to that glass window in our door and he would plant his face right up against the glass, nose on the screen, his his mouth fogging up the glass and a big smile right before he came in the door. So we found that being really intentional when we enter each other's spaces again, makes a big difference. And we still do that. Now we're in a much bigger house now and he's got an office, I have an office. We have more space, but we still do that. When I heard him come home before we started our recording today, I ran down, I'm like, hey baby, how was your day? Try to get a couple minutes in with him. I try to continue to be very, very intentional with my joy. And your smile can start that. When when we are focusing on something we tend to frown we're looking we're looking at our phone we're looking at our computer we're frowning we're in the moment we're focusing but if somebody comes into our office or if our husband comes in to wherever the place is that we're frowning and looking we have this our rbf our wretched resting space right so we need to Remember to pl- put that smile back on, smile at our partner, smile at our coworkers, smile at our kids. We can, in- we can bring in that joyful energy with just a simple act of remembering to smile at the people in our lives.
0: So love our the countenance
1: park. is huge.
0: I love the practicality of it. That that is so simple. And yes, what a difference it makes when someone. Yeah, we just go where their energy is, and if they're bringing a lot of joy and smiling, we we tend to follow that. And it just you know we we feel good about it. And so that's awesome. It's simple. It's easy. So tell tell us some more things that are awesome, simple, easy like that that that, that are just so so practical. There's no reason not to do it.
1: Well, you want to create an atmosphere of playfulness in your home. You need to remember to be silly and laugh and, and do things that lighten the mood. It can't all be take out the trash, who's doing the laundry, you know, who's going grocery shopping, who's making dinner. It can't all be just the chores. When you first dated, you were happy and excited to be with the other person. You were excited about connecting with them, talking with them. And when we are have a playful atmosphere at home, it makes it easier when we do have conflict because we know that we're on, on good good measure with the other person. For instance, like, let's say you don't know how to be funny. So open t- TikTok and search on dog videos. You know, you can't help but laugh at a lot of that stuff. Sit with, sit with your partner and laugh for a few minutes, at least a couple of times a week. My husband tends to be funny, so he's easy to laugh with. But sometimes you have to create that when you have a partner that isn't as as a naturally funny. Like I'm lucky to have, because I tend to be really serious, and my husband tends has he brings that out that laughter, that funniness. Sometimes I have to be very intentional. Like I'll I'll swing up the open the bedroom door, and he usually is in the in bed before I am at night because I'm busy doing things. It seems like all of the time wash my face, you know, all the girl stuff, you know, you got to wash the face, put on all the creams, brush your teeth, put in their night guards, like too many things, right? He just jumps in bed. He's good. So, so I, I, I'll jump into bed a little bit after he does. And sometimes I'll just launch myself onto the bed. Like, and, <laughs> you know, just being intentionally silly, lighten the mood, tickle joke, Give each other a hard time sometimes, as long as it's is in jest, you know, and the person understands that. Being very intentional with joy and and playfulness really can add a lot to your marriage as well.
0: So, I, I, where do people get get stuck? I mean, from your experience, I mean, you've written the book, you've talked to people. Where do folks tend to get stuck in their marriage where they start? looking around going, hey, we got to do something different. Like where, 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 where do people get in their own way?
1: One of the first things I do when I'm working with a coaching client is I want to learn about their love language and their partner's love language. I think that we miss each other. Our love arrows miss each other because we're shooting the wrong arrow. We tend to love love. Now, if you've ever heard of Gary Chapman's book The Five Love Languages, I happen to have one section in my book that reviews that they, I got I was fortunate enough to have permission from the publisher to put it include it in my book and and he talks about five different love languages that each person can can express in the way that they love other people. There's acts of service, there is gift giving. there is the need for Words of affirmation. Another thing is quality time. And a fifth one would be physical touch. And every person is wired differently. And it's not necessarily men are one way and women are another way. It's no, it's not. For instance, one of my coaching customers or clients, her love language is quality time. Really, it's important for her to have some time with her husband to talk. But her husband is a pastor. And and they were really having a hard time connecting because he's a, he loves to serve. He wants to do acts of service, acts of service, acts of service. And so he rarely stops and talks with him. So the best way, first of all, you need to understand what your love language is and understand what your partner's love language is. And recognize that two things, recognize when they love you in their love language, they're still loving you. When he's serving her, when he takes her car and goes gets and fills up her gas tank, even though she doesn't really want him, she'd rather have him sit and talk with her. That's him showing her love. So you have to, first of all, recognize your partner's normal way of loving you. And then when he doesn't love you in the way that you want to be loved, you need to use the phrase, I feel loved when you, and then fill in the blank. So I feel loved when you take 15 minutes and talk with me every day. Just sit and talk. I want to hear about your day. I'd like to tell you about mine. I want to hear about your frustrations, the things you're learning. I, I just want to connect with you. That's quality time. So so when a person learns just to say that, and he loves her, and he wants to serve her. So the way she can phrase it to him is, when you do this for me, it I really feel like you're serving me. And he goes, okay, I can serve you that way, right? Now, now it's an act of service. It's turning into quality time. For me, I'm just the opposite. My husband is more quality time and I'm acts of service. So if he comes down and joins me joins me when we're making dinner, I tend to, when I'm home, I well, I can't say I tend to anymore. I've been so busy. He's been doing a lot of dinners too. But when we cook dinner together, he has an opportunity to talk while I'm doing the act of service. So we, our love languages are connecting them. So just understanding that's where people miss each other, that one person one person loves by saying, wow, baby, I, you know, using words of affirmation. Wow. I just, it amazes me how hard you're working and that, and, but the husband really just wants physical touch. He wants her to rub his shoulders at night. So all those nice words that she to that she tends to love in completely, that love arrow completely misses him because he doesn't feel loved. Until she's touching him and maybe holding his hand or giving a back rub or having sex with him. Those are things that makes him feel loved. And so when you understand your partner's love language, then you can love them in their love language and they feel more loved. And so then you connect, then you are, your love arrows are then hitting the mark. Your attempts at loving. So you become more, when you understand these things, you become more intentional in the way you love each other.
0: So, so that's a good explanation. I, I'm less familiar with the love languages. I mean, I, I've heard of them, but ha- have not read the book. And, But I can certainly see how there is a potential for conflict when if things are going a little sideways and there is a little bit of conflict and we just double down on our love language, what we would want, trying to Patch things over, and that just exacerbating it because we're going in opposite directions, right? That that they're d- they're doubling down on, on theirs. So in your example, you know, doubling down on acts of service while the other person is doubling down on affirmation or or whatever it is for them, and just moving further apart versus closer together, which is what they're trying to do. So anyway, I, w- I was thinking I-, I can think of a few situations where yeah, that that totally happened in my life, like. <laughs> so so just knowing that is is pretty helpful. So we've got joy, we've got silliness, we we've got love languages and understanding our own as well as as the other person's. And I also like the explanation there just that there I mean there isn't a and I'm paraphrasing but right wrong good bad just there's what I want, there's what the other person wants and just understanding that is, is useful. So oh, what what else? To Teresa, what what haven't I asked you here
1: <laughs> I I think that when a person wants to learn more about how how to avoid conflict because that's what we all want, right? Less conflict and more joy in our relationships, yeah. with people, with our with our kids, with our husbands, with our family, with our partners, whoever that is. So so learning how to understand your the way you fight as well, some people fall into. Do you remember the whole thing with Amber Heard and Johnny Jeff? That nope. whole okay, there was a, that was a big to do, it was all over YouTube and Facebook, and well, not even not Facebook, but it's all over YouTube. So, so they fell into a classic thing that I've defined as a runner versus a chaser mentality in their conflict style. Okay, now a runner is somebody who says. Oh, my gosh, this is getting too intense and hot. I'm out of here. and they're out the door or they're out of the room, or I'll talk to you later, or I'm not talking about this now. They're running away. The chaser is the person that says, "Nuh, we're gonna talk about it now. We got to get this solved now. You know, no, 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 And then they chase them from the one room to the other room, or the chaser might send if it's a message if they're fighting over text, the person, that person might, start calling their phone or they're going to send a message and another message and another message chasing They're they're you know they're throwing like they're they are arguing incessantly where they, the reminder is like eh, eh, ghosting you i'm not going to talk to you right now they turn off their phone <laughs> you know i'm out so if you if you as a person fall into one of those two runner versus chaser modes neither of them they both can have healthy and unhealthy side effects. The runner, the healthy part of the runner is that they run away and they get a chance to calm down. They think about the problem, but they don't go crazy. They, the, the problem becomes less crazy when they run away. The chaser, on the other hand, gets things solved right away because that's their, got to fix it, got to fix it now. But the downside of that is that it can make the conflict worse for a period of time now my husband and i tend to be two runners so we're like we're out (laughs) we'll argue and then one, you know we'll be in its other space for a minute and then we're like both of us go well one exit stage left exit stage right and then we decided there's something we need to talk about later but nine times out of ten whatever that momentary thing was it can be it's not important enough to bring it up even later we just let it go because a lot of times our conflict is not over. It's not a hill you have to die on. Sometimes it's just a physical need that hasn't been met. There are physical needs for sleep. If you're overtired, more you can have more conflict and you understand these physical needs that you can avoid conflict in your marriage. So the physical need of needing rest, you can have more conflict when you're really t- overtired. You're less understanding. All those. You can have more conflict when you're hungry. Now we've all heard of the word hangry. You're you're hungry, angry. That's very common. Very very common. And especially, I've seen that happen so many times. I was coaching with a younger girl, and her her boyfriend. Actually, you know, this was kind of a it was a complimentary session, but it was good. Her boyfriend is very thin and works a very demanding job. And she was saying how they had had a really bad fight one night. It was just awful. You know, they're in each other's throats. And I asked the question, so did you guys have dinner before? What did you guys eat for lunch? And I come to find out he had all he had had for lunch was a bag of chips, half a bag of chips for lunch. So it's it's amazing, it doesn't surprise me that they got in conflict that night before they had dinner because both of them were just, they didn't have anything to operate from. They had no calories. So sometimes if you can table an argument or something that's important to talk about till after you eat dinner or after you've had a good night's rest, you'll be much calmer about it the next day. And the third thing is is physical touch. If you find, especially in men, we are, you know, I'm going to be very, very direct here. Men, you know, when we, men are made to carry, you know, human life forward, right? In order to do that, they have to put their sperm in a woman to make a baby. And we're geared, we are physiologically geared to do that. Women, when they are cycling, younger women, when they're, when you're still, I don't have cycles anymore. Oh, yay. (laughs) But Younger women, when you're cycling, you have that little, little window where you want to have sex now. And a man has that often when that opportunity, when that need is not being met, a person can get kind of ornery about it. And if it's been a few days or you get to know with your partner, you get to know they're kind of how often they like to have sex some people it's daily some people it's every three days some people it's once a week one this is once a month but whatever if that time comes and goes your partner might get kind of like a little grumpy because they're like kind of wanting to spend some time in the bedroom when those needs are being met the physical needs of sleep food and sex when those physical needs get met there's a lot less conflict in a relationship so so you can avoid conflict. I do that. So so I was it's talking about runners versus chasers. So two, two chasers will have a very heated argument and explode and then they get it sorted out and then they are fine. But a runner and a, a chaser can really be uneven at the table. The runner wants to leave, the chaser wants to talk now. But if before the conflict, those two people decide, okay, I'm going to do 15 minute timeout when we have conflict. The, the runner has a chance to calm down and come back to the table more level-headed. And the chaser still knows that they're going to get a talk about it, but it's only going to be 15 minutes. And so when that couple who's a runner versus chaser, when they have an agreement outside of their conflict that this is what we're going to do during a conflict, it can really make conflict a lot better for both of them.
0: Yeah. I I like that though. We don't often plan our conflict. We just act like it's a surprise that it it happens versus recognizing that, yeah, over the course of a marriage, over the course of a relationship, we'll probably have a conflict or two and and probably good to set some ground rules in advance on how we're going to think about this and approach this. So, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So obviously 14 strategies, we, we could spend a lot more time on it, but where can people find out more? So we, we, Know the book, know the course. Where can they find the book? Where can they find the course?
1: The book's on Amazon, Amazon amazon.com, Less Conflict, More Joy. It's 20 bucks for the book and $8.99 for the ebook. And with that, when you buy it, you'll get a link for a free downloadable action guide that you can use that accompanies the course and the book. It's basically your journal questions, things that you want to do and work on, before your next class. And they're quick. It takes 15 minutes, 10 minutes, super quick. Let, uh, one of them is, all right, date nights are important, yay. Plan out your next six date nights. Make a decision, okay, we're gonna go to dinner here, we're gonna play cards with somebody here. Date nights, connecting, having fun, getting out of the house together is really important. So so that's the first thing, Amazon, less conflict, more joy. Teresa DeWitt with one T at the end, D-E-W-I-T, And Teresa with an H, I'm a thereza, T-H-E-R-E-S-A. And the second thing is at joyfullymarried.com. Joyfullymarried.com. That is where you can find my online course. It's really great. You know, the book is great, but you might buy it and and never read it. At least with the online course, you can listen to it in the car. You can, you know, today I was (laughs) listening to something as I was shoveling snow and raking leaves at the same time we had fall winter happen today. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, you could do it while you're actively doing something else, driving to work, whatever it is. So the online course is really helpful as well. And for some people being more auditory, that can be really helpful to them. And I also do coaching. I am, I'm, I want to make a difference in marriages. Whether, you know, I do speaking engagements, a million marriages, I really want, I really feel like I'm on a mission to make a difference because some of the things I'm saying are a little bit old fashioned, but I think they are what ne- is needed in our society. Our society is such a throw away. Ah, oh, this relationship didn't work. Let's just go get divorced. But it doesn't, divorce sucks. It is awful. It is so hard. We all know either we've, we've been through it or we know somebody who has, And so I want to make a difference in marriages. And so that's why I do all the things. I have the book, the online course and coaching that is at lovefixes.com. The coaching lovefixes.com. Now I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist, but I do, I do provide some specific tools where in the coaching where a person can really dig deep. We can look specifically at the issues in your marriage and Pull lessons and ideas to help you get through the difficulties you're experiencing into the true love and joy that you want.
0: So let me ask as we start winding down here, Teresa, do both parties need to read the book Take the Class? No, I mean, that's always helpful if you're on the same page, but mm-hmm. but not at all. Not you at say.
1: all. I really am writing primarily to women, but I again, as I I wrote with one person in mind. But I'm finding that I've had older, you know, men in their 50s and 60s buy the book. I get a lot of response from men. In fact, my next book is probably going to be Less Conflict, More Joy for Men. It's, it's, I really do believe I need to write something that's more specifically geared to men. But this one, honestly, chapters one through thirteen are great for men too. I've had a couple a gay couple buy it, some friends of mine, they're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And they started applying. So so it doesn't matter the principles are universal. It can be for women. It can be for men. It can be for younger women, older women, older men, younger men. It doesn't matter. The idea is get some, when we have in a, a mm, I'm trying to think of the right word. When we have a grasp in, in our intelligence about what we should do, it's a lot easier to do the thing when we're in that conflict or when we're in the relationship when we have some ideas oh right that might be that he's expressing his love in that love language and i need to ask for love in mine when you can apply some of the principles to your marriage then you start to see the fruit of more happiness more joy and more connection
0: well, that sounds great. So I uh, got several different places to, to track down your information at. And of course, you're on Instagram. What is your ins- Instagram? And it's just like... Teresa
1: DeWitt, T-H-E-R-E-S-A DeWitt, D-E-W-I-T. Was one t. Just use my name on Instagram. I changed from my Tiz Bubbly or whatever it was a while back. So. And on Over- Facebook, I'm actually... I do Facebook too. I have a Facebook group and I'm also on YouTube. So I'm everywhere. Right, I'm everywhere. The YouTube is Joyfully Married. On Facebook, I have a Facebook page Joyfully Married. Again, joyfullymarried.com for the course, lovefixes.com for coaching. And I do speaking. If you have if you would like to me to speak either in person or over Zoom, I I do court, you know, coaching calls, I do small groups, I've done book clubs, where you have a book club of like maybe 10 people who are reading the book together and I'll come and speak to your group. So I'm, I just want to make a difference however, in whatever Avenue I can.
0: Awesome. And by the way, I love the idea of the author speaking at the book club. I've seen that happen before. That is really cool when it does happen, but Teresa, it has been great having you on today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I love what you're doing. What was that? 70 countries now. Broad, good job well done cheers really i that's amazing that you have really grown so so such you know, there's a broad need of people in their midlife that need to be that that we all have we have a little we have a different need than somebody in their 20s or somebody in their 80s definitely we're so do. active we're vibrant and and going into into our 70s or later with like excitement and still living a life that's vibrant. That is what I want to do. And I love that that is what you speak to.